Now this morning we're going to be looking at one of the wisdom books of the Bible, the book of Proverbs. And it was written by a king called Solomon, who was king over the whole of Israel. And unlike our future king, he was the man whom God himself regarded as the wisest man in the whole world. In 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 20, the author has this to say about King Solomon. He says, Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. And the book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon primarily to one specific reader, namely his own son. You see, Solomon's son is getting ready to take his father's position as the king of Israel. So to prepare his son for that challenging role, King Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs is mostly well known for all of the kind of pithy little wisdom sayings in it. For example, pride comes before a disaster, but humility comes before respect. Or the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. Or all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. But this morning, we're not going to be looking at these well-known pithy proverb sayings. We're going to be looking at the lesser well-known introduction to the book. You see, for the first nine chapters of the book, King Solomon writes about these two characters that he's invented, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. And throughout the introduction, King Solomon compares and contrasts these two very different women. Now our chapter today, chapter 9, continues with his contrast between Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Throughout chapters 1 to 8, Solomon has been praising wisdom, exalting her as a wonderful woman, in contrast to Lady Folly, a woman to be avoided. And he does this because he wants his son to live according to the wisdom proverbs themselves, located in chapter 10 onwards, and the wisdom throughout the rest of the Bible. He wants his son to embrace the wisdom enclosed in the rest of the book and to reject the ways of Lady Folly, the foolish life. And so now here in chapter 9, at the end of the introduction, we have reached the climax of King Solomon's plea to his son. Solomon's final plea to his son takes the form of a contrast made between two opposing banquets, Lady Wisdom's banquet and Lady Folly's banquet. And you'll have noticed that sandwiched in between these two banquets, a distinction is made between the scorner, the person who will attend Lady Folly's banquet, and the wise person, the person who will attend Lady Wisdom's banquet. So we are going to look at Solomon's final plea to his son here in chapter 9 and its implications for our lives and how we 
can live a wise life under three headings. Lady Wisdom's Banquet is our first heading, that's verses one to six. Lady Folly's Banquet is our second heading, that's verses 13 to 18. And then the Banquet Guests is our third heading, and that's the little sandwich passage in the middle of the two, verses seven to 12. So let's take our first heading, Lady Wisdom's Banquet, verses one to six. Now the first thing to note here is the amazing high quality of what Lady Wisdom has prepared for her dinner guests. Verse one says that Lady Wisdom has gone to the trouble of actually constructing her own building for her guests to enjoy the meal in. And her building is so large that it needs seven pillars just to hold it up. It's big enough so that anybody who wishes to come and enjoy her banquet is able to come and enjoy her meal. And just look at what's in the menu for her guests. Verse 2 says that she has prepared her meat. She slaughtered all of her finest animals, her prize pigs, her sheep, her cows, and killed them so that she can serve amazing meat to her dinner guests. And at the end of verse 2, it says that she has mixed her own wine. Now, I'm not much of a wine connoisseur myself, but I've been told that wine mixing is a very time-consuming task. But she's made the effort for those attending her meal. And not only is her building erected, her food prepared, and her wine all readily mixed, but she's also set out her table for her guests to enjoy the meal that she's prepared. Now we here this morning, we must ask ourselves what King Solomon is doing with these images of food and wine. And we can see here that Solomon here is trying to convey to his son the immense value of the wisdom contained in chapters 10 and onwards and in the rest of the Bible. The food and wine and so on represent the amazing value of the proverb cited in the book itself and the wisdom contained throughout the rest of the Bible. And so as part of his final plea to his son to live according to biblical wisdom, Solomon illustrates their value with these images of amazing food and wine. And not only is wisdom of great value, but wisdom is open to his son to live by because it's open to anybody to live by. We've already said that Lady Wisdom has built her house large enough for anybody to come and enjoy the meal. But in verse three, we read, that Solomon has sent out her maids, dispatched these young women to invite everybody to enjoy her banquet. They go to the highest places of town to call out to everybody, regardless of their background, their age, their education, or anything else, 
Everyone can come to enjoy Lady Wisdom's banquet. Wisdom is open to anybody. As one commentator points out to us, the use of the word simple here, the simple, the people she's inviting, it's not referring exclusively to stupid people, but to everybody who is not yet perfectly wise. Which, of course, is everybody, because none of us are perfectly wise. Not even Sam Parkinson. So Solomon writes these verses here in this passage to say, My boy, the wisdom that I have written for you of this, in this book, and that is found in the rest of the Bible, is only of the finest quality. So therefore you can and should learn it and live by it. And that has clear implications for all of us here today. See, we too have access to the wisdom found in the book of Proverbs and in the rest of the Bible. God has given us this book so that we too can learn it and live out the Proverbs that King Solomon has given to his son here and the wisdom found in the rest of the Bible. If we all did that, then we would surely live much wiser lives, wouldn't we? In all of the different areas of life that Solomon addresses in the book of Proverbs, like sexuality, finance, conflict, and so on, wouldn't we? Or as Solomon puts it in verse 6, we would leave our simple, our simple ways. This means we would leave our sinful patterns that are counterproductive to wisdom. And he says we would live. We would live a wise life, which is the only kind of life worth having. We would have life. Now at this point, Solomon strengthens his plea to his son by contrasting the wise life with the foolish life. And he does this by contrasting Lady Wisdom's banquet with Lady Folly's banquet in verses 13 to 18. You see, King Solomon's son and we here today, we can only live a wise life or a foolish life. We can only attend one of these two banquets. However, in chapter 9, there is no third option to simply not attend either and remain neutral. There is no sort of middle ground that we can attend. We can only live a wise life or a foolish life. We must choose which life we are going to live. So let's now look at our second heading, Lady Folly's Banquet, in verses 13 to 18. The first thing to note here is what a ghastly host this banquet has. Loud and seductive, but despite all the noise she makes and all the fuss she causes, Lady Folly, she knows nothing. And look at how lazy she is. Lady Wisdom was proactively doing all that she could to make sure her guests had everything they needed to 
And here is Lady Folly, just sitting lazily, shouting at those who walk by to come and enjoy, to come and join her, making a public fool of herself. Lady Folly, she clearly does not care much for her guests at all, does she? She doesn't have their interests in mind at all. Some of you might be going to somebody else's house for lunch after the service today, and I don't think you'd be very confident that the meal was going to be that great if the host was like this, would you? You wouldn't think what she had prepared would be of the finest quality, would you? And so King Solomon wants to say here that whilst the wisdom in the book of Proverbs and in the rest of the Bible is good for his son, the only alternative to them, the foolish life that doesn't care for biblical wisdom, is of tremendously low quality. It is bad for him and it's bad for us. And the scary part is that just as we said that wisdom can be had by anyone, that everyone was invited to attend Lady Wisdom's banquet. Well, in the same way, anyone is invited to Lady Folly's banquet. Anyone can live the foolish life. In verses 14 to 15, we see Lady Folly making the exact same invitation as Lady Wisdom. And Lady Folly also communicates her invite at the highest places of town, so everyone can know that they are also invited to her banquet. And Folly's invitation is identical to Lady Wisdom's invitation. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says. Solomon's son and we here today are invited to be wise or foolish and there is no third option. Now you might think at this point, why would Solomon's son or anybody else choose to live the foolish life? Why would Solomon need to go to the effort of writing chapter 9 to persuade his son to attend Lady Wisdom's banquet if the choice is that obvious? And the answer is in verses 17 to 18, if you'll look with me there. Lady Folly offers stolen water and food eaten in secret. And she promises that it is sweet and delicious. The point is that the foolish things that wisdom would tell us to avoid do offer us temporary pleasure. The foolish things of this world that Lady Folly offers to us do offer us a temporary moment of enjoyment. That's why sexual sin, for example, is so tempting for us because it promises us great pleasure but what Lady Folly does not tell her guests is that the pleasure she offers, that sweet and delicious food that she offers us, it's only sweet and delicious for a brief moment. 
It only lasts for a second. Now, it doesn't have to be the issue of sexual sin. There are all kinds of sins mentioned throughout the book of Proverbs that Solomon would want us to avoid. The temptation for gossip, for instance, to say slanderous things about other people that you don't like behind their backs. It promises to be sweet and pleasant, delicious and satisfying, but it only lasts for a brief moment. And worse still, look at verse 18. While Lady Wisdom's banquet offers us life, Lady Folly's banquet results in death. The dead are there. So Solomon is pleading with his son to live according to wisdom and to have life for the price of foolishness. Although it might promise us things that are sweet and delicious, the price of foolishness is death. Now we've already said that everyone can attend one of these two banquets and you must attend one of them. And so King Solomon gives his son details about the kinds of people who will live a wise life and those who will reject the wise life and live the foolish life. These are the banquet guests, which is our third and final heading, where we'll look at that little sandwich passage in verses 7 to 12. Now, I don't know if you know the Tron Church very well, but at the Tron, alliteration is kind of our thing, points that all begin with the same letter. So I'm convinced that we can summarize this little sandwich passage using three words that each begin with the letter R. The first word is rebuke. Solomon gives two alternative responses to the invitations to the opposing banquets. And in verses 7 to 9, we can see that that invitation to wisdom's dinner takes the form of a rebuke. And this is what biblical wisdom does. It rebukes us. It points out the sinful things we do that are counterproductive to wisdom and tells us what we should be doing instead to live a wiser life. And then we see the scorner. That's someone who's decided in his heart that he doesn't want to leave his sinful ways. He will respond to wisdom's invitation by rejecting the rebuke. The scorner will attend Lady Folly's banquet instead. In fact, they will even abuse the carrier of wisdom's invitation in verse 7 and hate the messenger in verse 8. But a wise person in verse 9, that is someone who is open to being taught by biblical wisdom. He will become wiser still because he will accept the rebuke. So now folks, on a Sunday morning, when biblical wisdom is opened up to us and it perhaps rebukes us, it ruffles feathers because it corrects things that we're doing in our life, how do we react? Do we accept that invitation 
to become wiser still? Or are we like the stormer? Do we reject that rebuke? Do we reject that invitation to enjoy what Lady Wisdom has prepared for us? Or when somebody with pastoral responsibility for you, like Sam or one of the leaders here, perhaps confronts you about a particular issue in your life and rebukes you in that way, how do you react? Are you like the wise person who accepts honest rebuke and becomes wiser still for it? Or are you like the scorner who rejects the rebuke, perhaps even abuses the messenger and continues on in his foolishness? How do you react when you are invited to enjoy what Lady Wisdom has prepared for you? Now the second word, beginning with R, is the word reverence in verse 10. We read there that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see, the fear of the Lord isn't like being scared at a horror movie where you're just terrified. But it means to truly revere God. It means to personally hold the Lord in the highest esteem above all other things in your life. That's how true wisdom begins in a person's life. If we all want to be wise, then we must have this reverential awe for God. Now that can manifest itself in different ways. On a Sunday morning, do you eagerly soak up what you hear from Sam when he's opening up God's word to you? And do you welcome God's instruction into your life in that way? Or do you perhaps switch off for a good while and miss out on the true biblical wisdom that is offered to you? During the Bible studies that go on in the week, will you go to them? Will you go and search for the wisdom there? Or will you find any excuse to not attend? Wisdom in all areas of life can only be received when having this reverential awe for God, holding him in the highest esteem above all other things. And then that final word is reward. Verse 11, we see Solomon promises his son that his days will be multiplied and years will be added to his life. Now, I'm sorry to break it to you. This is not guaranteeing that we will all live forever in this life if we get biblical wisdom. King Solomon has written another wisdom book, Ecclesiastes. And in there, King Solomon says that bad things like premature death happen to wise people in the here and now all the time. But the word life is very significant throughout the book of Proverbs because it's not used to merely refer to this life in the here and now. The book of Proverbs isn't just a book about making good choices for this life now. It's a book about making good choices that prepare us for the life that is to come. So according to Proverbs, 
according to biblical wisdom, it shall help to prepare us to live in a way that prepares us for eternity, for the life that is to come. That's the real reward that comes from real biblical wisdom. So I would encourage all of us here this morning, and I'll take my own advice here too, to come dine with Lady Wisdom. King Solomon is a father who loves his son very much. He only wants the best for him. So he pleads with him in this chapter to live out a wise life. And God, who is our father and loves each of us infinitely more, has given us this book, has given us biblical wisdom so that we too can live a wise life. Lady Wisdom has laid out a great banquet for Knightswood United Free Church, and you are all invited to attend. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the book of Proverbs. We thank you that you've given us all that we will ever need in order to live a wise life. Help us now to make good choices that prepare us for eternity. Help us to attend Lady Wisdom's banquet so that we can live the kind of life that you want each of us to live. Amen.